The views, information or opinions expressed during the Journey podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and does not represent Wise Words Imaging or any other company. Wise Words Imaging is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy. Any of the information contained in the podcast series is available from the respective owner. Enjoy the show. writers of Casualty, way, way, way back in 1986, and behind me, as you can see, is the original cast, and that was, incidentally, outside Bristol, where it all began, wasn't it, that shot? It was indeed, uh, David, um, and I'm looking at those faces, and it's making me feel very old. Uh, I can see you at Plymouth, and uh, Kuba Chichinsky, the porter, who I remember in the first episode solves the problem of the garlic smell. Um, <laughs> there is Paul. Da- hello there. Da- I'm just saying hello, David. I'm very hello, Paul. How hello, are you? Paul. I'm full, thanks. Where are you? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, Jeremy it- explained you were coming on very brief because you were busy. I, I, I'm just finishing something. So I, I just wanted to be polite rather than just be abrupt. Um, <laughs> 
Are you in America? Yeah, on the east coast of America. Right, take care out there. Yeah, thank you. I've been here for two years and, right. you know, and I still catch up with Casualty and obviously now I'm the admin of the fan site and like do podcasts. This is like what I do. So. Brilliant. It's, it's fantastic. And Paul, he's just been showing me um, that he's, he's set the interview against that uh, wonderful shot, which of course is our very first cast, which is amazing. So lovely to see. Um, and I was so just, I'm actually in Albi City. <laughs> Albi City, and there, there, of course, is Kubitschinski, who miraculously and bizarrely in our opening episode solves the problem of the garlic smell, if I recall. And who died last year? Ah, uh, he, he he was acting, and he was doing a horse thing on a horse and fell off. Oh no! Like um, and was was injured and and didn't make it. Like Roy Kinnear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and incidentally, Roy Kinnear died in 1987, wasn't it? That's right. That's absolutely right. Because the episode had to be postponed until the next year, 1988 or something, I believe it was. See? You know it all. You do. You do. Um, So sorry, Uh, David, you were asking me. um, Remind me, um, because Paul... Uh, I know Paul has to go, but he might be able to help with some of these early questions. Um, <laughs> remind me, David, the question was again? The question was again, what was um, about casualty back then. This was Bristol because in 1986, alone, mm-hmm. only 1986, in interior was London. Exterior was Bristol. Combine the two together, it was old big but the exterior shot, as we see here, was actually Bristol. Contrary to people thinking it was a different hospital, different set. It was indeed. So we, for the first two years, we would shoot uh, Casualty in um, in the studio in London over three days. I think it was, Paul, three or four days. And we would shoot the exteriors in Bristol and they would then cut them all together and that would be one episode. And I think in those days we were, uh, I forget how many we shot the first series, but it was 10 or 12, wasn't it? I think something like that. 15 episodes. 15, thank you. 15 episodes. So um, 15 visits to the studio in London and and, um, various exteriors in Bristol, of course, famously the, Bristol, um, the, the, the bridge, where, where the, the, the car comes over the bridge at the beginning. What was the nickname I remember reading in books? Noddy Goes to Hospital was the quote. <laughs> <that was. laughs> do, you, do you remember in that first, that fir- very first um, episode, Jen, we were in the control room and Peter Salt, who David was our medical advisor, upon whom... Charlie, uh, Derek Thompson's character was kind of based, was working with an extra, putting them on a, on a heart machine and said, oh, I think you've got a problem. And as I remember it, uh, the Charlie, Derek, basic, sorry, Peter, basically saved this extra from having a heart attack because he pointed out that the person had gone arrhythmic um, and an ambulance was called, 
and reality and, and fiction blended in this one moment. Um, I know it's happened subsequently, but I think it was on the very first episode. I'd completely forgotten uh, that. And of course, uh, David, our producer at the time, as I'm sure you will know, was an esteemed television producer by the name of Geraint Morris. Yeah. And Geraint was the uh, classic people person. He was a very, very warm-hearted um, man. And... I cannot even imagine how Geraint would have reacted to that. <laughs> I, can only assume, I can only assume that he was highly emotional and that, that it caused him enormous stress and upset because everybody on the, on the, on the set, including all the extras, were his family. I think, ever, I think, I think but as I remember it, and, and you know, time is, a, memory is an old thing. Forgive that, that'll stop in a second. Um, that's my doorbell going, and you can hear my dog. Um, that, I, I think as I remember it, it was all dealt with with incredible kind of Peter Salt's calm. So while we were all going, oh my God, and panicking and being sort of theatrical types, Peter just said, does everyone calm down? Take this, you know. And it was a real kind of keynote in how, how uh, the, the, the real people operated. But I also remember him saying to a director, um, I can't quite remember who, it must have, I, don't, I can't even remember, was it Frank who directed the first one? Frank. He was, he was saying, come on, we've got to move this trolley quicker. You know, it's got to run down this corridor. And um, Peter's saying, no, 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 no. The whole point is, it's got to be kept calm. You keep the patient calm. Yeah. And I've seen Peter, I saw Peter a couple of years ago. Um, and, you know, he still is, uh, the same, the, the same personality, completely calm, uh, dealing with you know this entirely um, fictitious world that Jeremy and I created, but injecting into it this incredible detail and care. And there was a point where a few years ago he said to me, "You know, I've read and noted every script of Casualty," uh, and incredible, isn't it? And could say to people when they said, oh, let's do one about a tree falling over. We're going to know you did that in. <laughs> this, this love and, and knowledge of it, which has always been, I think, uh, a real reason for pride in the show. Because the pride came, like I said, I've read loads of books, you know, I know there's only been a few. But the books have said you were observing Peter Salt at work, both of you, in 1985 like the Bristol Wool Infirmary. And what struck you is how calm he was when he was saying to a relative, I'm sorry, your son has died. And that's how uh, Absolutely, David. One of the things that Paul and I found so moving and wanted to, uh, wanted to develop in the character of Charlie Fairhead, Derek Thompson's character, is the idea of that very anchored compassion, real compassion for, for other people. And um, Paul is right, I couldn't put it better. Peter Salt remains the same person he was then. Um, he's not changed at all, except that he's the world expert on the, the ladders falling and the, the, the trees falling and every, every other kind of narrative device that we've used over the years to generate story. <clears throat> but Derek Thompson is without doubt um, as Charlie Fairhead, the, the beating heart of the series. And it's rather wonderful to know that he has um, 
people who who are who are you know um, uh, running a website like yours. It's a it's a it's a lovely thing to do. Thank you. Um, regarding Charlie Penn, the idea obviously came from Peter Salt. Did you expect him to be the success, both as a person to develop over the years to what he is now? If that makes sense. Mm. So, did you expect him to grow as he grew? Because when he first first started, he was charged nurse, and then I think it was four years later, the management role came in where he became Mm. clinical nurse manager. Did you expect him to adapt to these changes? Like Peter Saltz, he was charged nurse, I assume, when you first met him, and then he developed into clinical nurse manager. Well, I have to declare my hand here, David, and admit that uh, after about three, three and a half years, perhaps four, I think I may, Paul and I may have written, I've I've been to the fourth series, I forget, but those decisions were made actually by Geraint and the team, because very quickly it became apparent to all of us that what we had with Casualty was a series that was far more than the sum of its parts. It was a, it was, it was, it, it, it caught the zeitgeist in it, in it, and people really were moved by it. But those creative decisions were really taken by the team, who devoted themselves, in particular Geraint, to trying to make Charlie as realistic as possible. So, in terms of his promotion, in terms of his emotional life, and the work-life balance that all um, doctors and nurses have to manage. And of course, right up to now with the pandemic, um, you know, it couldn't be that Charlie Fairhead as a character, but the series as a whole could not be more um, relevant. I think the other thing, David, to say was that, and I say, I don't say this in any kind of silly way, we had no idea at all that the show would go beyond the first series. We didn't, we, didn't, we didn't think we were doing anything at all successful. Um, in fact, we were quite startled when uh, in the, at the very end of the first season, um, a politician got up, uh, 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 Edwina Curry got up in the House of Commons and accused this programme of being left-wing. Um, it was only then that I think anyone thought, oh, oh, hang on, we must be hitting a mark. But I think, you know, we knew it was good. Um, and we were, but we were very, very young and very um, naive to how the world, how the television world worked. So when you say, did we plan it? Uh, no, no. We, 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 had, we had a very, very strong personal bond between us. And had a very strong idea of what we might write about, but I think we thought we were writing something that would, you know, be a few weeks in uh, BBC One Land, uh, and then you know we'd never have the the, the, the it would go, and, because and, and, and then it grew, um, and that's mm. a wonderful story. And then Gary Morris left after three years temporary. And it became Peter Norris in charge. Yes, when it got more gritty and yes, yes, and uh, all the different producers that have worked on the show have brought their own 
particular passion. Yeah. And um, there were times when I forget, you'll know this, David, when the viewing figures for, for, uh, for an episode were many, many millions. Obviously now television is different. There are so many channels. Um, but Casualty remains an important part of BBC One's template. Uh, those, those earlier years when it was, uh, I forget the highest viewing figure it ever had, but... Um, 17 million for Boiling Point, 1992. There you are. It's so nice to have an expert like you. Oh. There you are, 1998, that's a huge figure. I mean, it's an unthinkable... And there's no script behind me, there's no, nothing written, because I haven't got anything written. No, 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 it's all... <laughs> Well, I'm very, very impressed, David. Um, but yes, Paul is right. We didn't know what was what we had on our hands. So the idea of the name Obi, where did that come from? Because people say Obi, where did the name come from? Because it's not Bristol as we know it, or as we like to call it now, Cardiff. It's Obi. It's set in Wyvern. As so, I remember it, as I remember it, David, we were suddenly asked. Everyone thought it was going to be called Bristol. And then very, very, very late in the day, I think, I think before they, they're just about to start filming, they said to Jeremy, we need to, to give this town a name that isn't real. And I'm not sure this is true, but someone said Hornby, you know, like the railway train. Yes. Yeah. Is that true, Jim? I don't know. And then someone else- I, love it. I don't care if it isn't, I love it's it. Great story. <laughs> It's a car called Hornby, so it became Holby. I mean, I don't know. That's, um, but it was, I think it was so that if someone, if we named it, I think it works like this. If you name a character or something happens, and then it's, it, you, it, if it's in an unreal place, you have, you had back then no liability. Um, yeah. I think that's what it was. It, it was, and it was very much in the tradition of the BBC, David, for everything to be um, fictionalized in terms of location. Yeah. Uh, I, I was a trainee at the BBC at the time Paul and I came up with the idea of casualty. And during my traineeship, I worked on a show called Juliet Bravo. Yeah, the police drama. That's just right. Before. And that's going on as well, he produced, didn't he? Correct, and so that was where I, I, I started my relationship with Geraint. And on all those shows, my job as a junior was to go through the script and make names up. And Paul is quite right. It was very, very late in the day that we were asked to come up with Holby. And I love the Hornby idea. I've no, I've no idea, <laughs> no idea whether it's true, but I don't care. Because um, one of the rules that Paul and I have always had is, um, you know, never knowingly, never knowingly over-researched. And um, uh, I, I think, I think the point is that it, it's, uh, it's become, it, like all names, it's just become the name it is now. I can't think, can't imagine it being anywhere else. They just class it as somewhere from the southwest of England, near the Welsh border. And... That's it. I think that's right. <laughs> and of course, in the early days, um, David, again, you'll know this, that everybody tried quite hard to bring um, a Bristolian or a Western accent. That's... Kathy Shipton most famous for it. Yes, that, that quite quickly faded, I think. <laughs> People felt that it wasn't necessarily adding to the gravitas or emotional um, resonance of the show. 
<laughs> in fact, I think if you look at episodes, you can see accents coming and going. Oh, yes, yeah. all over the place. <laughs> um, but, but, but actually, uh, dear, dear Kuba Chichinsky, um, and I didn't know he died. I'm very sorry to hear that. But he, he, he had, of course, um, you know, a fabulously East European accent and, and um, King as well. You know, that, that, that those were characters who now we look at them and we go, uh, you know, well, obviously they'd be there. But really, it was quite unusual because the template was Juliet Bravo. Um, yeah. And that was a very different kind of cast. <laughs> so, so what Paul and I were doing along with the subject matter was introducing um, the kind of casting that wasn't, wasn't regularly being done at that time. So Derek Thompson only doing movie, well, he did a couple of movie TV shows. Then you had Bernard Gallagher, he's also something missed. He did TV, but not very often. So I can understand. And Kathy Shipton, I think she only just trained as an actor, actress at the time, didn't she? So that's she was absolutely right. Absolutely right. Then you had Brendan, then you had Brenda Fricker. Who could forget Brenda Fricker as an actress? Megan. Well, I agree, David. Um, Brenda Fricker, I think we, we, we really got lucky with Brenda. Um, I, um, Paul, Paul, among his many talents, is also a theatre director and has run theatres and knows more about casting than I do. But I always thought that I couldn't quite work out how we got her because she's so talented. And, well, um, we, got, we got her because she was doing... And it should have been a lesson to us. She was doing a play <laughs> at the Bristol Old Vic. Oh, well, there we are. She was there. doing, I can't know what it was, Jeff. It was some, oh, I know what it, I do, I can't know what it was. It was Typhoid Mary. Oh, right, I know. And, and the director was in, is, was, I'm talking very scandalously here, David, but was on the ropes because Brenda was being so damn difficult. Um, and I can't remember then what happened, but she then was invited to join Casualty. And, you know, was fantastic, but was always, you know, a big handful. And then when she got, she won an Oscar for My Left Foot in our, I think about our fifth season. Yeah, fifth um, season. Uh, and, and I was still working in Bristol then. And um, the mayor <laughs> said... And you were, I know you were invited, Jim. I think you had good sense not to come. I was in no, Australia. No, no. I was in you Australia. Were, you were in Australia. The, I can't remember. Yes, you were, because it was just before you came. Anyway, so the mayor of Bristol <laughs> invited me and Brenda, and I think Geraint, to a kind of reception to celebrate both Brenda Fricker in Bristol, Casualty in Bristol, and I was working in the Bristol Vic. And there was this reception, so, so I turned up um, with Geraint, and Peter Norris actually was there because he was, at that point, a singular episode producer. And the one person who didn't turn up was Brenda Fricker. <laughs> so there was, this, there was this drinks reception, and it was all going swimmingly, but, you know, clearly the only person they really wanted was Brenda Fricker to turn up. Uh, and it had started at lunch, at one o'clock it was a lunch, a sort of, you know, stand-up lunch. Uh, <laughs> and we all get it, had quite a nice time. And back in those days, everyone was drinking quite a lot. And at about 2.30, the mayor said, I've got to make my speech, you know, because the, the Western Evening Daily Press is there, whatever it's called. 
And he started to make his speech and into the middle of this came Brenda Fricker, who had spent the, uh, the time we'd been drinking little bits of uh, glasses of sticky wine, had been in the pub and emptied the bar. Uh, <laughs> so she, she brought a spirit to the thing, David, which was, uh, which, which, which was wonderful. And, and all I can really remember about it after that was then standing outside, her really drunk, me quite drunk, her smoking cigarettes, well, us all smoking cigarettes, <laughs> I hate these things, I hate these things. I said, well, it's, you know, you just won your Oscar. And so she was quite a character. Was, they, 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 were, they were remarkable days. And it was recorded in the books that when she did win the Oscar, she didn't win the Oscar onto set. She actually had a plastic trophy bought for the occasion. So all she was holding in the, in the background was plastic trophy. Correct. Yes, I don't think you would want to risk it. You wouldn't want to risk it. She was also um, a very fine poet, David. And one evening, um, during filming of an episode called Burnout, Hewitt's last episode. Hewitt's last episode, indeed. And uh, your memory is fab fabulous, David. Um, she took me to one side one evening um, and got me to rewrite her two speeches, which were okay, and then she made them brilliant. Because she knew her character very well by then, and she was very adept at making things feel very real. That was a, one of her gifts. And she then put down the script, having you know sorted that bit out, and said, I'm going to read you my poems. <sighs> and um, she read me her poetry for some time, and you know, we, we, we shared a few glasses of wine. And uh, it was a very, very memorable experience. Mm. Very talented woman. And sadly, the character Megan got killed off. Incidentally, out, incidentally, out by Charlie. <laughs> yes. Yes. Those storylines were, were beyond Paul and my Ken. We didn't, uh, we didn't, we weren't involved. I know. In, late, in later years, I know, the, you know, relationship between you and Casualty before both of you was still there, but you didn't partake. I know Paul did a re recent episode last Quite. couple of years. Well, I want to say, I want to say, because Paul won't say this, I want to say that Paul wrote one of the very great casualty episodes um, in which the camera is constantly um, in one flowing movement. Um, yeah, one By the way, long before uh, other film directors um, who now claim credit for that uh, did it. But anyway, that, 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 that aside, we were also there before ER as well, by the way. Um, but he wrote just about ER. We were there before ER, and what's his name who invented ER was in a hotel in London, saw Casualty, and thought, I can do that too. 100%. 100%. But I just want to say, Paul's episode was quite astonishingly good. And um, uh, Paul has always um, maintained a much more, um, uh, much healthier, much more living relationship with, with the, 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 the people on Casualty than I have. Um, I went abroad for a while and I just um, not sustained it in the same way. Although I have to say uh, more recently, um, you know, felt, felt, uh, felt very kind of close to it. Um, but it's Paul who's of the two of us um, had the much healthier relationship with the show in the long term. 
Mm. Well, only, only when they were doing the 30th episode, the 30th season, um, they very um, nicely said, did, did we or I want to write one? And I said, only if I can direct it. Um, and did, I can't remember what it's called, but the, 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 the two-parter, which brought Kathy back into the show and had yeah. um, Derek Thompson's heart, you know, the, the, the Charlie's heart attack and the kind of flashbacks to his childhood. Um, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I have to say, I, I, I really loved it. I mean, it was, it, was, it was very good for me at a time in my life, and I really enjoyed going back there. Um, and found them, um, you know, what's remarkable about the programme is how committed the people who make it still are to it. And not just to the idea of keeping it going, but the idea of what it's about um, and their, their passion about it being... Gemini always did this to be about the National Health Service. And the people who've gone on doing it have always had that commitment. Um, and, you know, and that's not, and Peter Salt was a big part of that, but lots of other, everyone had the set, you know, the, the, the thing that's been so strong about the show was everyone's known what it's about um, yeah. and, and why it exists. And I've, 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 I've I mean, I, 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 the, the times I've been back involved, I've always found it very, um, you know, nice and inspiring because it feels like something that Gemini did now quite a long time ago, but it still, still fits. And, you still, and I, I was interested by how much I understood how it worked. You know, I thought, I was quite nervous. Oh, I don't know how to do this. And then you <laughs> get there and you go, oh, I don't Because the quote you said back then, I don't know if it's you or Jeremy, but you said in 1945, a dream was born. That dream was the NHS. In what year what it was, you never gave the year away. You just said in whatever year it was, that dream is in tatters. That I yeah. think, Paul. I think, Paul. That actually was our manifesto uh, statement. Yeah, that was the ethos of casualty. Yes, and and it was it was Paul and I were very young and very naive, but we were very committed, and we wrote what we we kind of call a manifesto. It was a, I think it was a one pager. Was it Paul? I don't know. And funnily enough, I've had people say to me, as I'm sure you have, saying, have you got a copy of it? No. Can we see it? You know, and this has been, I, I, I once did, a, 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 did some teaching, um, in fact, for Peter Norris yeah. at um, uh, Roehampton or somewhere. And, yeah. and he said, oh, you must have the original document. Couldn't find it. No, because, of course, as Paul said earlier, at the time we didn't not, we never imagined it was just a document that got us to the next stage. We were teased about it by some of the more um, kind of gung-ho series people at the BBC in those old days, because it was very, we wore our hearts on our sleeves. And uh, that statement, uh, actually, I'm very proud of. Um, but at the time, it was, it was unusual. Uh, again, if you think of what, you know, um, the, the sorts of shows that were being made at the time, they didn't tend to have that as the overarching uh, idea. And when you had the humour about falling masonry and maternity, you made, saw that at hospital yourself, I believe, and you brought it into script in the first episode. So little things you've seen, you managed to bring into the episode. 
I'd forgotten that. Yes, uh, both Paul and I had spent time in hospital indeed. And you saw this sign saying falling masonry near maternity and you remember bringing it. <laughs> that's how I remember reading it in the book. That's so, so regarding Derek and Kathy's relationship, did you expect them to ever get married? Or did you expect them just to remain friends? Because there was a lot of, because there was a lot of teasing in the early days that Duffy did have things for Charlie, you know. And then in 92, just before she got married to Andrew, you could tell there was the love there. She got married, she did, you know, and then she came back as Charlie was getting married. You could see there was some sort of love there when she he was about to get married to Baz, another, as you see, just beneath me, wherever she is. Yes, there she is. <laughs> Julia Watson, and you know, so there was a lot of will they, won't they? Did you expect them back then to have something, or was it always going to be Charlie being young, Charlie being with Baz, and then obviously developing after that? Paul, I don't think we thought like that, David. I think what we thought at the time, well, I can, tell, I can answer your question in two levels. One is I don't think we thought like that. And the other one was when I went back to, to help to, to do whatever it was, that, that second, 30th season, they asked me to come and, and join in the writer's room as they were plotting the stuff out, the character things out. And I was flabbergasted by how much they were interested in the relationship between the characters. And I always felt that, uh, and I still feel that, shows like Casualty are better when they put the relationship between the characters on the back burner rather than a front burner. So I was, I was, I, I, I can only answer you honestly, David, say I was quite surprised um, mm. and uh, yeah, quite surprised. Uh, and, and I have to say, I've also heard that producers have, you know, that, that, that sort of thinking um, has come and it's gone. Um, I mean, I remember talking to Kathy Shipton, who, when she came back, you know, we were having a laugh because she was saying, you know, they've killed me, they've, they've sent me off to Australia or wherever it was. You know, the nature of being in a long-running show is the characters' storylines can be quite confusing, quite, quite um, not very... Um, not very logical because they're not necessarily pre-planned. Not consistent. Um, they're a bit responsive. Uh, and so the casualty always goes back to what it's about. Sorry, Jane. No, I was only going to add, David, that I, I agree wholeheartedly with Paul, that the way Paul and I worked and work together um, is to think of characters in their circumstances driven by what they do and their ideals and their dreams. Um, not so much by the um, intricacies of their, of their relationships, although we understand that on a long-running show, that's going to necessarily become part of it. Yeah, because it, we always have to remember, even now, even though Casualty is pretty much all year round, it's not a soap opera. It's still a continuing medical drama. And that's where people get confused. Yeah, I think that's right. It's absolutely right, David. And... I do think that the loyal audience we have, obviously, you know, yourself included, do, do understand that and do watch it, not, not in the same way as they might a soap opera, but as a drama that, that may be on almost all the year, 
but still tries to treat as you know Paul's dub- double header did or as Paul's unique episode did the you know a, a unique subject as intelligently and as um, uh, and, and, and as vividly as possible and and that that element of it feels like it it goes it threads all the way back to the beginning because although we we were hanging there by the skin of our teeth and we didn't think it would go on. We, we kind of knew in that first series that something unusual was happening, particularly when the politicians took notice. Mm. And back then, casualty in the early days, I remember script writers and you're in, including yourself, you named it Frontline. <laughs> A fact I always think Frontline Casualty doesn't make sense, but Casualty, synonymous because emergency departments as we call it in England now is emergency departments but back then it was casualty or accident emergency mainly casualty departments so yes gosh you're so you are so well researched David um and I've got nothing behind me so (laughs) yeah we 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 did want to call it frontline um uh because we saw the NHS staff as being on the front line of a fight, not only with the accidents that they meet, but also with the front, you know, on the front line of of society, and you know, uh, it's pretty obvious. I, I, I know, um, but I do think casualty was the right title. Mm, I agree. And what do you think of uh, Paul yourself? How do you think casualties progressing yourself as you see it now? With, and you can even answer this, Jamie. How do you think? Charlie's coping with the reality of life now. With now he's lost stuff. He's lost pretty much two ex-wives. One died in an accident. One died due to what you know. So Alzheimer's. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something, David. I when I um I uh uh Kathy Shipton phoned me to say they're thinking of Alzheimer's. What do you think? And I realised as she was saying it that there's no coming back from that. You know, there's no, you can't, you can't bring the character back after Alzheimer's. So I knew I was talking to an actor who's, you know, who, who was, there was a big career choice being made for her. Um, and she's a very key part, has been on and off a key part of the show. Um, and I think she was asking myself and Jem, you know, to endorse this plan or not. Um, and I thought about it and I thought actually it's a really good it's a very very good story it's a very human story and it's a very recognisable story all the things it proved to be but it was really hard for for Cathy Um, and 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 also I think for Derek because it made Charlie more and more of an isolated character an oddball in the modern show Um, and uh I know that I know that the producers are aware of that. Um, I know that there's a feeling of, of you know, who does he? He's now so much the wise older man, um, the father figure. How are they going to replace that? How, I mean, how are they going to how are they going to endorse his position? How are they going to replace Kathy? Um, so that's that's all I can tell you without having to kill you. Yeah, well, I don't. I'm not. <laughs> Now, what was that? I, story? I actually have to go, David, because I, I, I really wanted to be on this chat with the two of you, but I've got to finish something by about four o'clock. 
go, my go, go, darling, go. Um, I, 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 in, in the same vein, I will, I will say, David, that I've got about ten more minutes, but I, it's been such a joy. Um, Paul, I'll, I'll finish up, and um, we will talk. I will speak to you very soon, David. Thank you so Thank much. You, and I'll, I'll email you because I've got your personal email. Thank any you. Any questions you need, just just keep in touch with us. We're always eager to help. All right. Thank you, Paul. Take care. Look after yourself in in uh, New York. Bye, bye, Jan. Thank you. Bye. Um, so yes. So sorry, David. Go on. And any any more questions? Um, yeah. So going back to Derek as a whole, he was charged as he was the forefront of casualty in the early early days. Yes. Did you think in the early days that Charlie? as a character would get shot did you think Charlie would have the stress of depression did you ever envisage that as a character if you used to write about him I didn't know but as Paul said we tended not to think of them in those very very dramatic situations so um uh we always thought of Charlie um as, as as a bit of a Peter Salt so Peter is a rock he's solid he's calm he is uh He's the level head that you go to in a crisis. And that's how we thought of Charlie. So some of the very dramatic things that have happened to him um, have developed his character and developed his relationships in ways that we didn't imagine, but I think they've worked very well. Mm. So um, in the early days, I remember little secrets that it wasn't Charlie Sands or it wasn't Hewitt Sands, it was always Peter Salt Sands. Yes, indeed. So <laughs> Peter Salt did all the detail work because, of course, Neither Ewart nor no, I'm sorry, neither neither De Derek nor um, any of the others were practiced enough. Um, but those sorts of tricks of the trade are um, little things that make casualty, as I always call them. I, I, I think you're quite right. Absolutely, um, well spotted. Um, because I spoke to Martina Laird last week, who played Comfort. Yes, and she said to me. Reality with it coming to you know accidents because she came across an accident in Camden a few years ago. Yes, and it was a simple art, you know, road traffic collision. Yes, her, her thinking because of her experience on casualty came in and she stayed with that patient as comfort would have. Yes, yes, well, and, I think and she and then she said, This is the crux of it. She said, I and even handed over to the paramedics like I would as if I was in casualty. Yes. Well, I think that's that's a lovely um, example of what Paul was saying earlier when he said that um, uh, fact and fiction, reality and fiction often meet. And I think that many of the actors who've experienced being on casualty as a regular will say the same thing. Of course, the other uh, strange truth about casualty is that it's now been on for so many years that so many famous actors were once guests in it. And um, uh, that's another kind of pub quiz uh, that, you could always, that you could always have, yeah. So um, the fans, obviously, have always asked, like I said, I've asked most of the questions they've asked, but if you could change one thing about casualty now, just to summarise and to end, what would you change about it now? Gosh, that's such a good question. Because um, obviously in the early days it was about politics, about the NHS struggling because of the government at the time. You know. look, look, you know, I, 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 
don't feel I have the right in a way any longer to make a critical judgment of a show that's been so much a part of my life and given me so many opportunities. All I would say is that when we started, we started with a political ideal. And we now find ourselves in 2020 at a time when the NHS has never been more important to our collective lives, at a time when nurses in particular remain underpaid and overworked. And if I were to do anything in the show rather than fundamentally change it, uh, what I would do is I would sit down with everybody and say, how can we draw people's attention to the value that these people bring? And how can we harness all the love and affection that everybody has for these characters so that we don't forget they need better pay, they need continuing investment, they are not robots, they are people working in situations of great stress. And it's lovely that we applaud them, but yeah. they, need, they, they need real money and real resources. And my worry is that these, these, this money and these resources will suddenly start to um, slow down when the panic of the pandemic eventually retreats. So that's what I would do. Because mm, since being in America, I've noticed we haven't got the NHS system and it's a lot more, how can I put it, difficult sometimes. So I can imagine it'd be similar sort of thing if it ever dwindled. But I'm not going political because that's not about the subject. No, no and, I, and I agree with you, David. I don't want to be political either. But I, but I think I would hold a torch, if you like. Yes. If I could do anything, I would hold a torch and I would burn it bright for the nurses um, and the doctors and the cleaners and all the staff that work in A&E, which remains the front line even more than ever, and just remind people that um, you, don't, you, you only get what you invest in. You know, yeah. you, get, you get back what you put in. Okay, thank you very much for your time anyway. And we live in some memories, old and new. <laughs> it was a pleasure, David. And like Paul said, if, if there are any further questions, don't hesitate to ask. It was a and real I think, pleasure. And I think I got your email from when it said you joined soon. So I will that's, email. That's right. Yes, indeed. Yeah. All right. All right. And thank you for your time. And good luck with your writing and whatever you may be doing now. <laughs> thank you very much. And stay safe in America. Thank you very much, Jim. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, David. Bye-bye.
In conversation with Jeremy Brock and Paul Irwin was presented by David Hackett and it was a Wise Words Imaging production. Feel free to like, share and subscribe for more inspiration on the journey.